Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33 this morning. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. Verse 33. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the body of Christ. We thank you for RMC. And Jesus, we invite you to be the head of our lives and the head of this church. And as we look again at marriage this morning, we pray that you would speak to us. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you bless every marriage? Would you minister to each person that's single? Would you allow us to see the reality of Christ in the church in a greater way? We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, remember, we made the analogy that marriage is like automobiles. I've continued to uh, work on my 1978 Chevy uh, pickup truck, and I was all excited about it this week, because after about six weeks of working on it, it's, it's running good, and I was able to drive it to work to church here on Wednesday, and there was a little parade going to the back alley as I was showing the guys my, my new treasure, and then Wednesday night, it wouldn't start, it wouldn't wouldn't start. So, so Tim Bali got our junior high pastor. He's been helping me with it. We're in the hood and he's like, there's, there's no gas getting to the engine. There's no, no gas getting to the carburetor and this air filter that sits on top of the engine. It's, it's probably uh, the air filters or the fuel filters, excuse me. So we replaced two fuel filters, you know, later in the week, still no go, right? And then, oh, it's got to be the fuel pump. So we, we change out the, uh, change out the fuel pump. And we start to look at this a little bit further, and the real problem was it was out of gas. (laughs) So this this truck's got two gas tanks, and when we got the truck, we put gas into both tanks and just assumed that both tanks were were working. When it came time to fill up, I only put gas on the driver's side because it's closer, right? So I put gas in the driver's side, but it turns out that tank is disconnected and the only one that works is on the, the passenger side or the, yeah, the passenger side. So here's the analogy that I realized and God did speak to me on this is you, you may decide it's time to put some work into your marriage and you put some six weeks into it and you see God do a great work and you're thinking everything's smooth sailing from there. But then all of a sudden, your marriage runs out of gas, doesn't it? And you're like, what in the world is going on? Please remember, God's work in our lives is a process. It's a process. And a lot of times, it's a slow process, isn't it? And you've got to celebrate the small victories. You've got to realize, okay, there's a new radiator. And this is better than it was, but there's still more things that God wants to do in our life and God wants to do in our marriage. You're going to get to a point where you get discouraged And then you go, we have put in effort, and God's saying, keep going, keep persisting, I'm going to continue to work. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through this section again on marriage, and then focus on verse 33. So if you'd read with me from verse 22 down to verse 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are his members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. We looked at that in detail last week. But to be reminded, husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to lay down our lives for our wives. And then wives, to respect your husband, to submit to your husband, to come underneath his leadership. Please also remember the paragraph just prior to this, to be filled with the Spirit. This continual command to be filled with the Spirit. We cannot fulfill our roles in marriage or do the Christian life, period, without being filled with the Spirit. God's ready to give us the Spirit afresh in our lives if we're willing to follow. Also remember that what moves all of this is the love of God. How does the book of Ephesians begin? The grace of God. Our position in Christ, our identity in Christ, that we're accepted, we're beloved, we're forgiven. So the first spiritual domino, who you are in Christ. The second spiritual domino, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then that moves into our marriage and into our family. In verse 33, our target verse this morning. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love and respect. The scriptures here tell us, let each of you in particular. God is making a point of emphasis. This is God's conclusion on this paragraph on marriage. Isn't it amazing how little God says about marriage? Not that marriage isn't important. Not that marriage isn't God's institution, but God sums up marriage in the New Testament in two paragraphs. There's two primary paragraphs that teach us about marriage in the New Testament. And now God sums it up in one sentence to love and to respect. There's people that study marriage for a lifetime, that write write doctoral theses on marriage, and they have boiled down a healthy marriage to two things as well, love and respect. The greatest need of a woman is to know, hands down, she's loved. No matter what, she's loved unconditionally. She's accepted by her husband. The number one need of a man is to know that he is respected by his wife. We have patterns in our marriages. All of us do, right? And sometimes those patterns are very negative. It's filled with selfishness and filled with sin and responding in ways that are unhealthy. And it's this downward spiral in our marriages. Sometimes it's very gradual and it's at a very slow pace. That can maybe be the most dangerous. Where this, you almost don't even observe this selfishness. But it, it's taking place and over a 10, 15, 20 year pa- pattern, there's this downward word cycle But then there's other times where the gloves come off, don't they? Right? It's a tsunami in the marriage. It's a hurricane. It's a tornado. And it's all motivated and moved in selfishness. But the opposite can be true. The opposite can be true. And that is a cycle or a pattern of love and respect. All of us have a fuel tank, just like my old truck. It happens to have two fuel tanks. Uh, 
You have an emotional tank about how you feel about life. And do you know you can't fill your own tank? That's the way that God designed it. You have to receive filling from the Lord and from others. From the Lord and from others. And first and foremost, the Lord. Please hear that. Your spouse was never created to fully satisfy you. That would be putting an expectation upon them that only God can fulfill. So wives, you need to be looking to the Lord first and foremost. Husbands, you've got to be looking to the Lord first and foremost. God, would you fill me? You are my satisfaction. You are my bread of life. If you're single, don't think that your spouse is going to fix you. Don't think that your spouse is somehow going to cause you to have satisfaction. You need to have satisfaction in the Lord long before you, you meet your spouse. Then secondarily, your spouse is designed to help fill that tank. So evaluate that if you're married, saying, am I adding fuel to my spouse's tank or am I depleting? And sometimes we are depleting, but more and more we want to attempt to fill the tank. And how do we do that is love and respect. What I've observed in marriage is a lot of times wives don't feel loved by their husbands. They know deep down that their husband loves them, but if you were to ask them, do you feel loved by your husband? Many times they would say no. That emotional tank is not being filled. A lot of husbands would say that they don't feel respected by their wives. Their emotional tank is not getting filled up. So this morning we're going to look at the practicals of, of what love and respect is inside of marriage. How to practically be able to fill up your spouse's tank. In 1 Peter, he writes this to husbands. He says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that, you may, that your prayers may not be hindered. This is a strong verse from the Lord, isn't it? And maybe a little bit of a confusing verse. Some of you ladies are saying, I don't know what this means by a weaker vessel. It's not in any way that God is saying less. It's that God has designed us differently. I think my mom had a great illustration with this. She would tell my brother and I, you guys are coffee mugs and girls are fine china. You need to treat girls differently than you treat your, your brother. And that's the idea here. The idea of the weaker vessel is not less, but actually one of great value, one that is to be nourished and, and cherished. So God says to husbands, dwell with your wife in an understanding way. And if you don't dwell with her in an understanding way, your prayers are going to be hindered. That's one of the strongest statements in Scripture. God's saying, husbands, if you're not treating your wife the way that I would intend, it's going to affect your relationship with me. I've heard this verse taught in 1 Peter, sometimes where the pastor basically says, good luck, ladies are, are so different than men, you're never going to dwell with your wife in understanding. Now, you get a lot of laughs in teaching uh, this section of Scripture that way, but if God says to do it, it must be possible. Amen? We're we, we in agreement with that? Amber and I were talking about this section of Scripture Friday night as we were going to bed, and I was saying, you know, what do, what's the most important way for men to be able to understand their wives and what they really need in order to be loved? And I was surprised by Amber's answer. She said, it's different at different seasons of life. And I'm like, oh, that's hard. <laughs> you mean that it's a moving target, right? Like, guys are pretty easy. What's the number one need of a man? Sex. What will always be the number one need of a man? Sex, right? 
But for women, it's not like that. It's something where you have to check in. So Amber was saying, you know, when you're, you're newly married, uh, what the wife needs is, is different. And then when you've got young kids, what your wife needs is, is different. What, when they're teenagers, it's different. We're not empty nesters, but eventually, I'm sure in that season of life, what Amber's going to need is different. So what that means for us as husbands is we have to be engaged at, at the heartbeat of our wife. We've got to know what's going on in her life to be able to see and pray of what she needs, dwell with her in understanding. So guys, we're going to begin with us. Here's ways to love your wife. There's five. You might want to write these down. These five come from a book called His Needs, Her Needs. His Needs, Her Needs. When Amber and I were first married, my buddy Brent Bowden gave us some CDs. That dates us a little bit. So, but they weren't eight tracks. They were CDs. And and we listened to this message called His Needs, Her Needs, and it really opened my eyes of how to love Amber. Guys, I can tell you, if you will take these five things and apply them to your marriage, more often than not, your wife is going to feel loved. She, she's actually going to experience love from you, and her emotional tank is going to be filled. So the first, number one, is affection. This is the one thing your wife cannot live without is affection. Guys, we have to clarify what affection is. Affection is not physical touch leading up to sex. Guys, we think that all physical touch is leading to the bedroom, right? And that's not what affection is. When Amber and I were first married, it was a Saturday night over at the old church by Harmony Bowl, there was a small little uh, cafe, and we were hanging out in the cafe and, and talking with some friends, and she kept hitting my leg. I'm like, this is kind of nice. She's flirting with me. It's like, tonight may be the night, you know? This is good, right? And we get home, and, and, and she, I go, why were you tapping me on the leg? And she's like, because you weren't paying attention to our friends. Like, I can get this deer in headlights look where, like, I'm off somewhere else, and I'm not listening to the conversation. Here she was saying, wake up, you knucklehead. And I was like, hey, whoa, you know. <laughs> right? So guys, if you only touch your wife when you want to have sex, you're going to find a wife that is very depleted that doesn't feel loved. Why? Because God designed women for affection. Non-sexual touch. So what is that? We better, we better declare what that is. That means just to hold your wife's hand because you love her. Just grab her by the hand, hold her hand as much as possible. Try to hold her hand. If you're sitting watching TV with your wife, you know, put your arm ar around her shoulder. Give her a, a back, back massage. And wives are so smart. They know the difference. They know when our physical touch is communicating, can we make love? And they also know when the physical touch is saying, I appreciate you. So number one thing your wife can't live without is affection. Ladies, can I get an amen? Is that true? All right, number two, this is going to blow your mind, conversation. Conversation. Men, if you want your wife to feel loved, if you want to love your wife as Christ loves the church, there has to be an engagement in conversation. During the dating relationship, there is a lot of affection, and there is a lot of conversation. Us as men, we don't find it difficult during that dating time to have conversation. You never want to start, stop dating your wife, to talk to her, 
to share your heart with her, to ask her how she is doing. And God has made men and women very different in this area of conversation. We have three daughters and one son. Our son is the, is the youngest. And my daughters, when they were little, listening to their rooms, there was a lot of talking. Even if they were in their room by themselves, there was talking. And they were pretending and, and, and talking. When I go by Wyatt's room, there's a lot of noises, right? It's bang, boom, he's blowing stuff up. And then he's like, hey, dad, come check it out, right? And that's the, the length of the, the communication. How do you know if a movie's geared towards men? There's not a lot of talking, but lots of things are getting blown up, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a great movie. There was a lot of action, right? How do you know if a, a movie's generally directed towards women, if there's a great storyline and there's a lot of, of conversation? So, so men, if we want to win our wife's heart, if we want to love her, you've got to make sure that there's time for conversation. In our culture, this is something that we have to be intentional about. Because a week can go by very quickly where you stop and go, you know, we haven't even really talked We're covering all the bases, making sure everything gets done, the bills get paid, the groceries get bought, the kids go where they need need to go, but we really haven't stopped just to to check in. So I know for for me as a man, it's important as I've I've got to compartmentalize, men compartmentalize that I make sure to say, you know, I need to save some time and energy to check into Amber, to just check in with Amber, to see how she's doing, to see how her day is going. But make a point for conversation. This is how our wives will feel loved. Number three is honesty and openness. Honesty and openness. A a wife will feel loved if she feels like her husband is being honest and being open. She will feel disconnected and she'll feel unloved if she senses that her husband is being dishonest and he's not being open. What this really means is to share the joys and struggles. Share your heart with your wife. When you begin to share your heart with your wife, you're going to see her swoon. You're going to see her look into your eyes going, oh, thank you so much that you've opened up and shared your heart. Men tend to process inwardly, and women tend to process outwardly. Now, that's not always true. It's a generalization. But men will think about things inside, 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 and never open up and say anything. Where a husband can come home and say to his wife, we're moving to Indiana. She's like, where did that come from? Well, I've been thinking about it for 10 years, right? And we've already processed it. We've already thought about the ins and the outs and why Indiana would be such a good idea. And maybe we've prayed about it, but we've neglected to open up to our wife in the midst of that process. Say, you know, there's something stirring inside of me. There's this job opportunity out there, and there's some good churches, and, and what do you think? Your, your family lives out there. Can we pray about this together? That, that's being open. Maybe there's some real struggles at work. You know, maybe you're feeling things towards the, the, the kids, or there's stresses about the finances. And a lot of times we think, as a man, the right thing to do is to not say anything. If I open up that I'm having a hard time, I just forfeited all my man cards, not true with your wife. Say, you know what? Work has been really hard. In fact, I haven't even really wanted to go. And this is, this is really challenging. Could you, you pray for me? It's openness, it's honesty, it's joys and struggle. Number four, what your wife needs is stability. She needs a stability. This is loving your wife 
men to provide stability. Our wives don't, don't want the moon. They, they're not looking for this amazing, luxurious vacation, but it brings them a lot of comfort to know my husband's concerned with the bills. He, he's concerned that we're going to be able to pay the rent. He's concerned that we're going to be able to, to go get groceries. He's working hard for uh, the family. Have a little bit of foresight through prayer and through God's wisdom to go, you know what? I can tell that the tires are starting to go in the minivan. Let's make sure that we're, we've saved up enough money and then just go down and, and get new tires. And the wife is going to be so blessed. Instead of her having to, to nag and nag and nag about the tires or about the van, it's providing that, that loving uh, stability. Number five is family commitment. Your wife is going to feel loved as you're committed to the family. As you love the kids, as you love her parents, she's going to feel, feel loved. When she sees you being a dad that's engaged with the kids, that fills her emotional tank. So those are five practical ways to be able to, to love your wife. So here's five ways to respect your husbands. Ladies, you ready for this? Okay. The first is trust. Trust your husband. We love it when our wives trust us. And I know that this can be difficult uh, if for some reason that you feel like your husband's character is untrustworthy. And it doesn't mean that we don't call one another upon sin. It doesn't mean that there needs to be fruit of repentance and sometimes that trust needs to be rebuilt and, and re restored. But ladies, as much as possible, is strive to be able to trust your husband. And sometimes in the midst of difficulty or the midst of hurt, it can be easy to forget the whole character of your spouse. Okay, I know the, the character of my spouse. I, I know who they are, and I know that I can trust them even though we're in a season of difficulty or even though they had a bad day or said some things that they would regret or, or lost their temper. But, but husbands can feel it when they're trusted by their wife. And that communicates respect. That, that communicates, I'm with you. I, I trust you. I, I believe you to be competent, you know? And a lot of men are, are just longing for their, their wives to, to trust them. And then the second is admiration. Admiration. This is praise. I love it when Amber gives me a compliment. You know, if criticism comes from, from a lot of places, I can tend to handle that if I know that things are good with Amber and she gives me a compliment. It may be as simple as unloading the dishwasher, and she says, babe, thanks for unloading the dishwasher. I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah. You know, that felt, that felt good, right? You know, if I, I come home, and she's like, I really enjoyed that teaching. That was really good. I'm like, really, babe, you liked it? Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And that compliment just builds me up. And so find ways to compliment your husband and say it. Just say it to him. And give him that admiration. He longs for that. That communicates respect. Thanks so much for working hard for the family. Or thanks for, for fixing this. Hey, I've been noticing you've been working out. Look at those biceps. Woo! You know, right? Just, just shower on some admiration. And you know what you're doing? You're filling up your husband's tank. And his, his emotional tank is going to start to fill up. And he's going to feel blessed. And then the third is be a kind critic and feedback. Kind critic and feedback. Provide that in a kind way. What do I mean by this? Is a lot of times as husbands, we can get defensive if it feels like you're talking to us the way our moms talk to us, right? 
So moms, as they're raising kids, you know, there's those times, and dads, we do it too, is, is you scold your kids. You, you get on your kids, and you, you rebuke your kids, and you're like, wait a second, you're talking to me like my mom. Back up, right? And we get all angry, and we get all defensive. And so when there is critique, and there is feedback, and cor- even correction, is try to do it in a, in a kind way. Try to do it in a, in a respectful way. One of our first disagreements, Amber and I's first disagreements when we got home from our honeymoon and we were in our small apartment uh, was how to fold the towels, right? Because we'd gotten all these amazing towels as, 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 as wedding gifts. And I thought I was being, you know, this, this servant-oriented husband and I was folding the towels. And Amber comes to me and says, hey, could you fold the towels this way? Because if you don't, they're not going to all fit in this small closet, that we have. And I got to tell you, inside of me, I was like, you are not going to tell me how to fold towels. <laughs> like I am, I'm a grown man, you know, and we got married young and, and I was starting to, to get hot and the apartment was getting real hot, you know, but then I stopped and I thought about it. And she asked me in such a kind way. I mean, she literally said, could you please, would you mind folding the towels this way? And I couldn't help but receive it. I don't know where Amber learned this, but she still to this day, when we've got hard things to talk about, she brings it in a kind way. She says, hey, do you have a second? Could we talk? Could you work on this? And it just causes my defenses to go down, and it's a lot easier to be able to to, uh, receive. So if possible, bring it in a kind way. And then husbands, receive it. If, If your wife says, hey, could we talk about a few things? You know, resist that temptation for everything everything to get all hot, right? And say, okay, yeah, let's, let's talk. Could you, could you please work on this? If you hear those words, could you please work on this? Understand she's respecting you. Like she's bringing it to you in a kind way and do your best to be able to uh, receive it. Number four, allow him to choose his own parking spot. <laughs> so you and your husband are at Costco and trying to find a parking spot, right? Many times, there is differing opinions on what is the best parking spot. And ladies, understand us as men, uh, we in our culture and society, we don't have a lot of adventure in our lives anymore, right? God, God designed us to conquer things, build things, and Many of us spend our days behind desks looking at screens. And so when we go to Costco, just let us have our adventure of finding our own parking place, all right? And don't go, hey, that one, that one right there, get that, that, know that one. So Amber and I heard a pastor share this on a podcast that we were listening in marriage. And, and, and so now there's this joke in, in our marriage that when we go, she lets me choose my own parking spot. And then she looks at me and says, you did that all by yourself. <laughs> right? <laughs> so just, just let him have it. Right? Just, who cares if it's a lame parking spot? Who, who cares if you have to walk farther, you know? Who cares if it looks like it's, it's too close and your door is going to hit? Just, just let them have the adventure. The, babe, you choose your own parking spot. 
And I think in that is a lesson, is don't micromanage your man. Let's say that again. Don't micromanage your man. This, this is not an issue of doctrinal importance, of justification. The, the house is not going to erupt over this and say, okay, I'm just going to let him have this one. That, 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 that's all right, because that communicates respect to the husband. Number five is don't badmouth him in front of friends or, or the kids. And this goes both ways. You know, husbands, we don't want to do this to, to our wives uh, either. But sometimes you're hanging out with a group of friends, a group of married couples, and all of a sudden, you know, here it goes. And it could be the wife, it could be the husband, but they're clearly upset at their spouse, and they just, they start to talk bad about their spouse in front of, from everyone else. That, that's disrespectful. You know, in, in man language, that, that really hurts. You know, this, this, is, this is my wife, and I know I've blown it. I know, I know I've, I've messed up, but, but here she is putting this out, you know. And sometimes when a group of women get together, uh, they engage in a sport. Uh, it's called bash your husband, right? It's, it's, he, he's the golf ball, and you've got the, the driver out, and it's just smack a good one, and, and the husband's going to take the, the, the brunt of that. And that doesn't mean that you don't need good lady friends to talk things through and, and to work on things. But it does get to a point where it, it's just husband bashing. You know, it's like, it's like who can up the next story of how awful the, the husband is. And, and what if the husband's walked in, you know? And again, this is true for us as husbands as well. We don't want to be bad-mouthing our wives. We want to treat each other with respect. So verse 33, Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we ask by your grace and by your mercy that we could fill up each other's emotional tanks through the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to really communicate love and to communicate respect. Holy Spirit, would you speak to all of the husbands of very practical ways that we can love our wives, very, very practical ways that we can pour into them and that wives could hear from the Holy Spirit of practical ways how to respect their husbands. And Lord, we know that we need you to work in our marriages in a way that's outside of us. God, would you bless all of the marriages by your grace? Would you protect the marriages? Lord, we pray for those that are single, that desire to be married, that you would bless future relationships, that they would find you to be their satisfaction and their contentment, to be their all in all. I know it's difficult to, to be single. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.